The Athletic. Hello everyone and welcome to the Football Manager Show by The Athletic. I'm your host Tony Jameson and I'm joined by RDF Tactics and producer Steve. On today's show we're going to be talking to Cyrus Yagani from Sports Interactive to talk about the art of scouting. We introduce a new feature called Search for a Star, plus we have your letters. So I guess we better get on with it. Now, we all know that one of the best features of any version of Football Manager is finding a wonder kid who becomes a club legend and in the end, they retire his shirt. For some, it's a little less glamorous. For some, it's a stress to find a player to come in on loan to cover for an injury crisis when your club is staring relegation in the face. Joining us today is Cyrus Yagani from Sports Interactive, who's going to be leading us through the intricacies of scouting on FM23. Cyrus, welcome to the Football Manager Show. Hi guys, yeah, great. Thanks for having me. A real pleasure. It's a pleasure for you to be here. Now, Cyrus, can you explain what it is you do all day, please? Yes. So I'm a senior game designer at Sports Interactive. So, I mean, my general job is just trying to uh, come up with the initial concepts for the features or the, the different game mechanics that we might be putting in the game and then getting them to a state where we sort of work together as a team to try and make it a reality so as you're talking this year i've been working a lot on the different recruitment stuff one of them being the scouting changes we've put in excellent stuff now we say obviously in that little intro there that scouting and football manager can take many forms so where would you recommend people begin <laughs> tough question mm-hmm. i mean the thing is i guess it depends all about the context of you save are you big club small club are you are you jumping in a new job i guess the ultimate starting point really is that first recruitment meeting where you get a little snapshot of your squad planner right that's one of the features we put in this year and the idea there is to just figure out where you need to target right do i need to focus where should i put my limited resources especially if you're on a smaller save you know you might only have a a limited budget or a limited number of scouts so i'd always say the first thing is take a minute to assess your squad and try and really focus on where you think you're going to be best at and if you're lucky you might be like just great all round. and then in that case you know maybe you just sort of start start doing more general focuses it's really one of those like chicken or edge situations where everybody's different and it depends when you jump in but generally i start with going to my squad planner having a look see where where i've got the weakest players cool nice so the scouting screen has got a nice little refurbish it looks nice it it also (laughs) uses nice as well i love it i'm loving it at the moment but some people still don't really okay they just delegate (laughs) they still get delegate the scouting stuff to their staff so how do you actually set up the scouting assignments for people who may be interested now and what are the do's and don'ts yes that's a good question one of the things when we were talking about it this year like what do we want to do to scouting and personally for me in the past i was a delegate man because <laughs> it was pretty intimidating to, to set up your own assignment you, you essentially had to be like i'm going to take full control of your whole department i'm going to tell everyone what to do and you know that's a pretty big especially the big clubs that's that's like a full-time job right so the main thing concept wise you're thinking it, what makes more sense is if i can leave my scouting team to do what they want and then at any moment coming to the scouting page is almost like knocking on the the way i i see it is going to the scouting page is like knocking on their door right they open up and they show you hey, this is what we're working on boss you can see all the different focuses they're looking at. Yeah. You know, well, we're looking for a striker. We're looking in England. Here's so far how they're going. And here's also a list of potential recommendations you might want to think about. And then at any time, you can say, that's great, guys, but this is what I want. And then from there, you can click on recreate focus and you, you get all the options. You can say, look, I don't want to take charge, but what I want you to do now is look for a left midfielder who can play inside forward, who's above six foot, whatever, you know, whatever parameters you're looking for. And just put that on their desk rather than coming in and being like, I'm fully in charge now. So I'm going to tell you. So I I found that's one of the, hopefully the, the nicer things about it is you feel like you can get more involved in your scouting and sort of at any moment be like, 
you got maybe you got an injury or maybe your winger or your striker just is not doing it for you you know and so any moment you can just go ask your scout team rather than sift through all the player searches or that way just hopefully it's just a bit more straightforward to just direct them to where you want to go yeah i think that's one of the things that i've really enjoyed with fm23 so far is being able to be a little bit more fluid with regards to that focus obviously setting up in the initial stages of saying look you know this is what i want to be looking at overall but then as you sort of touched upon there there's always that moment isn't it you end up with no center backs there's a big cup <laughs> run on the uh, on the horizon you're coming towards the january transfer and you're limping over going we need we need to change this focus we're not after strikers now lads like so um so was that obviously i mean when when that was being developed i'm presuming that was a, a conversation where where you all thought look you know there needs to be an option in order to change that so it can be a bit more fluid a bit more dynamic for sure it just it it just seemed natural that you know in in as football progresses, like each department starts getting more built out, right? So you have people whose full jobs are, are in the past would be covered by one guy, be covering six or seven different areas, and now as as it progresses, you have much more specialised people. So it, it it did seem odd that the only way to get involved is to, to sort of jump in two feet. And as you said, that reacting is part of football. You make a plan, you try and execute that plan, and then you react to if it failed, mm-hmm. if something happened whatever's going on in your current season and you want to be able to when you notice that or preempt that do something about it so like you said you might you just want to jump in find a replacement for your center back maybe that and that's where maybe you set different parameters you lower your expectations of how good they are or, or the value or maybe you just want to look for free agents you know and hopefully you could you can adapt a little bit quicker we also have the idea that you get if you're in a big emergency for for injuries for example you can get like these unique recruitment meetings trigger, which which you'll get a thing saying basically, you know, we're we're real in a bad spot for this position. We're going to come to you now as a team and say we we want to set up a new focus for centre back specifically to sort that uh, problem out. Nice. In FM twenty three, we now have near matches. What is that all about? Mm. Explain to the people. Explain yes. to the people. <laughs> <laughs> It came about pretty naturally. We we were talking about how you ask your team to do something and they give you back results. And that made sense. But, you know, football, you never quite know what you're looking for, right? (laughs) And so we were like, well, you know what would be cool is is if maybe you set your parameters, this is what I'm looking for. And then there's some people that just miss it. And then you go through what you thought you wanted. And and maybe when you're looking at those people, you're like, "Mm, you know what, this isn't... Nothing here is doing it for me. I know this is what I thought yeah. I needed or I thought I wanted, but now that you're showing me what's available, it's not it's not tickling my fancy. <laughs> so the near matches, the, the idea is that what we put in here is, depending on how many parameters you set, these are the people that have just missed out. Maybe if it's a if it's a basic just scout, right, and you're just using uh, ability, they may be a slightly, just slightly PA or CA-wise outside what you were requesting. Or maybe you added a bunch of extra criteria, you know, height or footed, and and they 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 match everything else you want, but they don't on that that one yeah. parameter. So this is where you're able to go. Maybe, you know, sometimes the things in life aren't what you were looking for, you know. So when you can go there, you can see that maybe maybe there's a name in that list that actually is more suited to what you want, or maybe, like you were uh, saying before, TJ, that you need that centre back bad, you know, and. <laughs> mm all right those recommended ones that came through what you asked for aren't doing it or maybe they're just not interested or you can't get the finances whatever happening you can't get that deal through near matches as your second quarter call like okay let's have a look there see if there's anyone i can grab yeah to be honest i like that i like the the way that you've explained that to us because again i'm a bit like aaron so i looked at the near match and i was like i wonder what that that really (laughs) means but but now i'm sort of thinking more about as you say there if you say you're trying to get this specific player it's not really working for you it's all about lightening that load as well of his scouts, isn't it? In terms of his, their workload, we don't want to be burdening them with too many assignments at once, I'm presuming. So if you've yep. given them, you know, 15 jobs to do, you know, you're, of course you're not going to get the quality back, I'm presuming. 100%, yeah. So the, your chief scout, if you leave it to them, they'll sort of set what they think is an appropriate workload, right? Maybe if you've got a small team of four scouts, they'll set like four to eight different assignments. But then if you come in as the boss and start being like, these are nine other assignments I want, they're, they're going to try and spread their time across all of them. So you can set priorities, right? Give me a top priority, which means they'll you'll get more scouts focusing on that specific assignment, a uh, focus even. But 
what you definitely don't want to do is, is overburden them because what that really means is you're going to just be waiting a long time for results to come back. So instead of spending the whole day looking at uh, one focus, he'll be 10% of his day will be on one, 10% on another. So you're going to be sitting there for a long time with empty lists. So especially the lower down saves, you really want to make sure you keep on top of that to make sure you're not, you're not spreading your people too thin. <laughs> Well, I'm not managing in the lower league. I'm in the top tier. <laughs> I'm in the... <laughs> I'm... Hi, Mr. Big Time. <laughs> I'm, currently, I'm currently managing in the top tier in Denmark, but I really need to hear from you. Is there pros and cons in scouting in advance? So at the moment, is it worth me scouting in advance, looking for free transfers? Because, of course, I can't outpay. I can't offer someone more wages than Arsenal or Chelsea can. So... Is it wise for me to start my scouting in advance, especially looking for free transfers who contracts may end or expire in six months or one year? Uh, yeah, for sure. I, I, you know, knowledge is power, isn't it? So in the football world, the more you can do little cheeky things, right? As well, if but earlier you scout, if there's a player that you found, maybe they're a little out of your league, maybe not. You can, you know, maybe you try media courting them, right? Start, like, praising them publicly. Try and slowly tilt their favour towards you. And then talk to their agent as well. Try and find out what it is they're looking for. And if if you're early, the agent might tell you, look, he's not interested now because, you know, maybe your squad's too weak or maybe he wants Champions League football or whatever the reason... And if you know that in advance, maybe you have a shot of getting to that, you know, meeting that criteria. So if they're saying, look, I'm not interested because, you know, you, you won't be able to pay my wage <laughs> when I've talked to you. Maybe it gives you a chance to sell a player, right, and free up yeah. some money. Or if they're looking for, you know, maybe your squad isn't good enough. Maybe you have a chance to bulk up and get some other players in before that contract runs out. So I, I'd always recommend to do that. The only, the only thing is the reports you get are like snapshots in yeah. time. So that report is only good for a certain amount of time before it sort of expires, right? And then we'll, we'll tell you that in the game. And generally, they don't deviate massively if, if you're doing it again within a few months. But it's always worth just double-checking that that report. If it is out of date, you just want to send your scout out just to update it. Mm, that's a really smart piece of advice, actually, to be honest, because mm-hmm. I think that's, again, something that maybe I know I've certainly been guilty of and just looking at the report and going, that's my report, must be it. And then, of course, logically thinking, well, that player may have developed, their, their, their minds may have changed. Um, one question I've got, and I think Aaron's just touched upon it a little bit there, um, scouting packages. Now, I see this, but I think I need a little bit more knowledge behind it. What am I getting? What's the pros and the cons of going from, say, like a European package to a global package, if you can afford such a thing? <laughs> Yes, sure. I mean, to be honest, man, sometimes I get confused. You know, we, we had a big talk about these packages and we do have plans to try and sort of rework them a bit to make them more fit with modern football. You know, as technology progresses, the idea that you have to fly out to see players before you can get any knowledge of them is sort of in the past now, right? There's so many tools out there, Y Scout, etc., analytical data, so you can get a really good picture of a, of a player before you see them. But for us, really, the main thing to think about when you're selecting your scouting range, it's sort of the parameters your team are going to work within, right? So if you're saying to them, I can only afford the UK and Ireland package, and then you set up a recruitment focus saying, find me a wonder kid who's you know on the left wing, that they're only looking in the UK and Ireland, right? They they By default, they're not going to look outside, and that's because you, you've essentially prepaid, right? You've, you've paid for all the stuff in there. Um, and the same if you go to player search and you type in a thing. It, it, they're the sort of... The, you imagine it's the database you're paying for, right, of players. So that doesn't stop you going outside. It's just when you do it, the game will ask you to pay more money because now you're going outside of, of what your budget allows. So that's f- for the top clubs generally, right? It, it's not really much of a decision, right? You get the worldwide package, you can afford it. What's, you know, 30, 60 grand to, you know, Liverpool yeah, yeah. compared to you know, Cheltenham or something like that, where you really have to start counting those pennies. And then the decision is, because that, that'll affect your budget for players. So then you've really got to ask yourself, do you want a wider net to, to see more players coming in? And then maybe you're smarter thinking about free transfers or, as you said, Aaron, going in at end of contracts? Yeah. Or do you want a narrower focus with potentially more money to make plays with the players you find? So it's that sort of trade-up. At the top level... 
probably not something you're thinking about too much. But definitely, uh, the further down you go, the bigger. Because for some clubs, tw- twenty grand's the cost of the player, <laughs> right? You know, so mm. then you really have to think about it. Generally, you should be thinking about it as sort of the the default database your your players and uh, are going to your so not your players, so your scouting team's going to be looking at. Are there any other parameters that you should think about to help you refine your search so you don't get hundreds of players for an example just narrowing down the age profile so if i'm doing a I don't know under 23 save maybe i'm just gonna hit that 23 player so i don't get anyone over <laughs> 23 obviously but is there any other premise that anybody should be thinking about yeah i would say one thing we've tried to do this year uh, automatically is is really reduce that noise level is what i call it so <laughs> before you'd be getting um the scouting meeting report update inbox item would come once every week, two weeks, however often you said it, right? And the thing with that was we were hitting you with basically everything that's going on. So it's no joke to say sometimes that news item would say 46 reports <laughs> remaining. And you're like, oh, all right, I guess I better, you know, get my tea on and get my afternoon cleared while I go through all these reports. And that, in reality, that's untenable, right? You're not going to concentrate for all of those. And the, and the thing was, some of those were coming in at like 6% knowledge. Some of them were 85% yeah. knowledge. So it, we were thinking, no, that, that kind of is insane, right? If I was to go into Miles and go, hey, Miles, I've started this aside. I've done about three words on it. You're like, can you assess it for me? <laughs> so I'm like, go away. <laughs> do you do your work <laughs> come back when you when you've got something i can action on right so yeah. that's what we thought well why are we why are your scouts coming to you with reports that have zero chance of actioning so now your inbox should be only getting reports that are complete so hopefully that means less noise so when you do get those items through you're more akin to think, well, I can spend a few minutes going through the eight reports he's brought me or the four reports he's brought me because I know they're extensive and I know that this means these guys have hit some sort of focus or, they, again, they can come with just general recommendations. They're like, look, these you haven't set up a focus, but j- during our searching or an agent's come to us, here's some guys. Um, but in terms of just general tips setting up focuses is I often look at my club vision, right, my board vision, right, and just try and see if there's an easy way to get some brownie points there so when they're looking for signing youngsters or signing people from certain nations etc i'll generally just put that on the focus and see if i get lucky up front especially if i have time right if i'm not making a dramatic signing in the last two weeks or you know if i'm planning out for a few months down the road i'll often use that as a as a way to sort of get some brownie points with the board or, or now that we've brought supporters in you know if they have anything specific they're hoping to get i'll just try to line it with there Mm, yeah absolutely yeah the supporters can be the make or break aren't they i mean you're saying there about getting reports in obviously we all get the reports we all sift through them we want to see that green a don't we that's the one we want to see the one that says you must sign this player at all costs uh-huh. we don't want to see the one that's there's an e going why is he here um can you explain a little bit more about that for the uh, yeah. for our audience and i think I should know this off by heart, shouldn't I? But you can set, like, the minimum, right? Don't bother showing me reports in my inbox below X yeah. grade. But it's really hard. We've had conversations before, you know, like, do we get rid of stats completely? Like, you know, do we? how do we get to be authentic to football? But we found that really these... And in the new scout reports that we upgraded, we were talking, like, do we, do we think about changing this? Do we remove it? What's a way we can try and make these, you know, digital players feel more human more alive how can we get you to look at them uh in a more authentic way as as you assess real players right but ultimately that grade is the main thing that when you have such volume of things to go through you need something to latch on to so the grade for us is really just that first trigger like you said then a plus let's have a look you know let's let's dive in we try and be smart about how we calculate it. So there's no like objective parameter for what an A plus is. It completely depends on who you are and what level of football you're playing. So if you're in League One, like any Man United players at A plus, right? If you're in the top level, you know it tries to make sure that it's looking at your your squad's sort of current abilities and matching it towards it, and then then that's why you hopefully get uh, grades that make sense. But it's a balancing act. That's I, I wouldn't. My honest truth would be pinch of salt on those grades right because that's that's us trying to amalgamate everything this footballer can be into one one letter and the reality is 
there's plenty of times where you'll have seen a B plus player outperform an A plus over his career, right? That that's going to happen. So, for me, you know, once once you start getting to C and below, fair enough, right? Mm. Maybe take a double take. But if you've got an A plus player and an A minus player or a B plus player, and your gut's telling you to go with the lower grade one, I generally trust my gut, to be honest. Nice. You basically <laughs> my question. I was gonna I was gonna ask. So basically, <laughs> just to pull it out there so people know. An A plus doesn't necessarily mean he's a better player for you than someone that's coming in at C. So sometimes why is your scout telling me this player is at a C over the player that's at an A plus? Is something like the transfer of value or does it matter about the con? For an example, hey, that guy cannot speak English, therefore I'm giving him a lower grade. Is that playing a part in the scouts? It can definitely play a part. They try and this is why it's difficult. So they try and take all the especially um once you've played enough games, your analysts start yeah. coming involved. So you'll technically be getting an analyst grade and a scout grade behind the scenes, and then they essentially work together to give you a like a recruitment yeah. grade, right? And this is so. If I'm a top league and there's a great player that might get to say like a Messi, right, doesn't come in at A. The reason probably is because finances are just just completely out of control. So there's there's no no point. Like you're saying, TJ, when we hit you with that e inbox and you see your A+, plus, you're <laughs> excited. There's no point mm-hmm. in us getting you excited and then going, but it's never going to happen, yeah. mate. You know, it's just, it's just, you know, pipe dream stuff. So we try and do a bunch of smart stuff uh, taking into account or a bunch of different variables to be like, this is, this is uh, A overall. And then our idea is that if that takes your fancy, you hopefully look at the guy's uh, report or profile and start seeing the things that maybe are important to you so he's a i look but his cons is you know maybe yeah. we can still give him an a but one of the cons is he, he's not a big match player for you that might make him instantly a d right so that uh, i think that's one thing we we can try and get better at is that signposting that's just really supposed to be the gateway into you exploring the player as more like holistically yeah. and understanding if he's right for you but that's why i say that B player could be the one for you yeah. over the A player. It just depends. I, I like it because sometimes I'm seeing an A player and like you said, the gut feeling and you get that C player and you're like, that C, something's telling me get that C player. Then that C player, you sign <laughs> in, he scores a hatchet on his debut and then you just feel like an absolute yeah. genius. Like, I told you, Scout, I told you. <laughs> and you have a, a, a backup clause to blame the Scout. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. For anyone who's uh, working the law league as well, remember, of course, get them in on trial. Have a proper look at them as <laughs> yes. well because... Uh, we can't afford scouts in the lower leagues, really. So yes. uh, definitely use that to go like, right, I'm going to have a look at this play. And then it's all on you when it doesn't work, I suppose, really, isn't it? Um, Cyrus, anything else that is going to be handy for our listeners to know? The main points are keep on top of your, just be aware of your budget. Be aware of how many scouts you have. Don't be scared to go into the recruit the scouting page and, and have a look at those near misses. They're like we're talking about those grades. It's all subjective football, right? And you never know how a guy's A plus could get injured the day you sign him. A plus could come in and hate everyone on your team. A plus could come in and just not gel with the nation you're at or the type of football that's played in that league. So have a look at those near matches for sure. I've I've definitely made signings and I see players that, you know, I didn't I didn't know yeah. existed and they become on my radar for, for other saves as well. So I'd say that. Just just go and make sure you have a look. Keep yourself educated on the different players that are coming through. Absolutely perfect. That's brilliant. Cyrus Yagani from Sports Interactive, thank you very much for your time. Pleasure. Absolute pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me. You're listening to the Football Manager Show from The Athletic. On The Athletic, you can read in-depth work from the likes of Amy Lawrence, Nick Miller and James Horncastle. And if you've never subscribed before, you can get six months of The Athletic for six quid. How do I do this, I hear you ask? Visit theathletic.com forward slash fmpod. That's theathletic.com forward slash fmpod. Go on, do it now. Hello there. 
This upcoming World Cup, what are The Athletic going to be doing about it? Well, I'm James Richardson and every night I'll be hosting a totally football show with the likes of Raphael Honigstein, James Horncastle and the rest of the Totally crew. Then every morning from Qatar, wham, The Athletic Football Podcast will be at you with David Ornstein, Matt Slater, Adam Crafton and many more. There'll also be World Cup content from Adam Hurry's Football Clichés Podcast, Michael Cox's insightful Athletic Football Tactics Podcast and Joe Devine's TIFO podcast with all the stories that matter from Qatar. All in all, The Athletic is your essential audio companion for the upcoming World Cup. Now it's time for a new feature on the Football Manager Show. It's Search for a Star. Du, 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 du. I don't know, if, don't know if Steve's made a jingle or not. If he hasn't, I've done it myself there. So the question is, have you ever looked at your squad and wondered, nay, hoped that you could turn a rusty backup into a sparkling star player? Well, with Search for a Star, that's exactly what we aim to do. We're on the hunt for the square pegs to fit those round holes. So let's talk through the criteria. We're going to choose five attributes across technical, mental and physical. And attribute masking is off. And we are looking for players not shining in their role. And we're looking for a bargain. So we've capped it at £30 million. And yes, you definitely can have a £30 million bargain. £30 million bargains, my word. This week, we're looking at how to make an inverted wing-back when we don't actually have one. Think Blue Peter mixed with weird science. Or if you weren't born in the 80s, think Frankenstein's monster. That's essentially where we're going with here. So let's search for a star. That's proper showbiz, isn't it? <laughs> let's have a look at these five attributes for our inverted wing-back. So... We have two technical, two mental, and one physical attribute. The two technical attributes are passing and dribbling. You need that. For the mental attributes, off the ball and decision-making, your inverted wing-back needs to make some very good decisions. And lastly, for physical, we have stamina. They are wing-backs or full-backs. They need to last the 90 minutes. Mm. And if you want a visual representation of the sort of role we're talking about, Trent Alexander-Arnold. But in terms of what we're doing right now, Zinchenko, gone from a defensive midfielder to an inverted wing-back. So that's what we're trying to make as part of this feature. Now, we've split it down. We've taken three each, myself and Aaron. Mm -hmm. And we're going to have a little look and try and work out what we think could be three potential inverted wing-backs. So, Aaron, do you want to go first and give me uh, one of your people to look at here? Oh, absolutely. So... Let me get my scouting glasses on. For number one, we have Manu Trigueros. He's currently at Villarreal. Now, he's not exactly shining in that central midfielder role. I bet half of you don't even know him. I bet half of you haven't even heard his name. But he's a very, very good technical midfielder. And he's like, you know that player that he's very, very good, but he's not exactly that world-class player. But if you move him into inverted wingback, maybe, just maybe, we will get to see that and we'll talk a little bit more about him next week. Mm, excellent. I like the look of him, to be honest. He's got everything that we need there. Now, I'm going to go with a player who currently plays in France, a player called Ludovic Blas. Oh, tasty player, tasty player. I do like the fact that he's got 16 passing, 15 for first touch and 14 for dribbling as well. He's a very, very good technical player. Yeah, now the reason I've chosen him here is you've got an inverted winger. So this is obviously part of how the game already sets him out. So he is used to cutting inside, presumably. This is my thinking here. So he's an inverted winger who can play on the right. Now I think, therefore, stick him as an inverted wing back on the left and getting him to sort of maybe balance out or an inverted wing back on the right as well and move him back a little bit. He's uh, pretty good, as you say, with passing. His first touch is very good as well. But more importantly, stamina. He doesn't mind getting up and down the pitch a lot. And I'm guessing if he's a creative player, that he might be able to sort of pull something out of the bag as well. So that was my thinking with that one. Oh, absolutely. Now, for my second player, we've got kind of a... He's a younger player. He's currently at Parma. His name is Adrian Bay. Hopefully I've pronounced that correctly. <laughs> this is a guy with 13 dribbling, 14 passing. I'm just trying to give you some visuals here. 
And we've also got decision-making 14 off the balls at 12, so that may need work. But remember, guys, he's only 21. And lastly, the stamina is at 13. Another left-footed player, just like Ludovic Blas, but he is fairly cheap. Under 10 million, this guy is available for 8.6 million pounds. You can imagine 21 playing in Serie A. The game might go past him, but at fullback, we may be able to get the best out of his ability. Yeah, that's a good player right there, isn't it? And I've gone as well to uh, to Serie A, but also someone who's now plying his trade in England. Now, he's a little bit more expensive. He is Dennis Zakaria. Now, on the face of it, he's a defensively minded midfielder, but of course we want him to be attacking, okay? So he's already got that ball winning midfielder mentality, so he is used to, to putting a shift in. He can tackle. He's got stamina of 17. He's determined... He's going to get up and down because his dribbling's 14. That's really good for a ball-winning midfielder. And I think the fact that he's also tenacious means he is going to not let sleeping dogs lie. He is going to run his socks off. So that's why I'm thinking he goes in there for myself. Plus, he's really quick. Acceleration's really high and pace of 15 as well. Try stopping him when he gets going. Oh, absolutely. So what you've got here is actually a very, very decent fullback who can play in midfield now you might not technically get the Trent Alexander-Arnold those brilliant through balls but what you are getting is someone very very comfortable in possession but also think inverted wing backs you don't want to get caught on that break do you and you've got Dennis Zakaria here good at reading situations and stopping play so that's a very very good shout Tony thank you very much and lastly we do have oh my god someone help me with the first name I'm gonna go with Kefren? Kefren? We've got Kefren Toram. I believe he is the son of Lillian Toram. He is 21. Another young player. I do like these young players. He does play for OGC. Knees over in League And Now, we've got someone that likes to get further forward. He's got player traits of get into the opposition area. Now, for you guys, think inverted wingback on attack. Tasty. First touch on 14. Passing on 15. He's off the balls on 14. And his decision-making is on 13, stamina 15. Now, he's hitting those attributes that we are looking for. Available for around £20 million wage-wise, 14k per week. I mean, this guy is looking very, very decent. Now, when he does get into those sort of advanced areas, we've got someone obviously making very good decisions. But we've also got someone with a sneaky long shot of 13 as well. So, he could grab a couple goals. Well, you say someone who's sneaky, I've actually got my final pick, okay? Now, my final pick, if you've struggled with pronouncing your player, uh, Aaron, I mean, I don't even know where I go with this guy. This is uh, Amir Hadziametovic. Oh, perfect. I know that was perfect. Yeah? Yeah. He's currently playing over in Turkey. Now, bargains-wise, he's looking at about £8 million, Okay. He's currently a deep-lying playmaker, so again, he's maybe got a bit of vision. He maybe sort mm -hmm. of like thinks attacking-wise, but look at some of these attributes that he's got. His work rate's really high. His passing's really good. His dribbling's 13. Long shots, we're talking here, 14 as well. Stamina, 13. I think for me, and the way that I manage, this guy, I reckon he could be a sneaky little bargain, you know. Think of someone like maybe a Crystal Palace or a Southampton or oh, a yes. Wolves, maybe. You know, I think he'd, he'd fit really, really nicely in there. So that's where that's where my final uh, pick went. So, yeah, I'm here all the way. Oh, that's a very, very nice pick. Now, I have actually noticed something. All of these players that we have mentioned all have decent teamwork and that attribute reflects how the player can follow tactical instructions whilst working for and alongside his teammates. So though we all know that fullback is not their natural position, they also got decent work rate. So they're going to work hard for your team, but they're also going to follow to your instructions very, very closely, which is what we want from someone that we're moving from central midfield into fullback. We want someone that can listen. So just to clarify... The reason we've picked these specific attributes for an inverted wing back, we're looking at dribbling, at passing, off the ball, decision making, stamina. We're not looking for defensive minded players, despite the fact, of course, they are playing at the back. We want these attacking mentalities and these attacking attributes as well. Is that right, Aaron? Oh, absolutely. So, what we was kind of looking for are midfielders that we all know are capable of creating chances 
for their side, but they might not necessarily be the greatest midfielder at that team. So giving them a new role, they may be able to shine in a new role. So basically what we're looking for is a midfielder that we can shift into midfield or a fullback, sorry, and then they can play more advanced as a fullback as well. So we're not necessarily looking for a very solid defensive fullback here. This at the minute is all theory based. We should stress that this is yes. theory based at the minute. So here on Search for a Star, we're going to put our money where our mouths are and we're going to put the theory to the test. So we're going to do some simulations, aren't we? Oh, absolutely. We're going to see if this works. <laughs> um, <laughs> so what we're going to do is we are going to load up a save. Now, I'm going to put you slightly on the spot at this point, Aaron. Oh, yes. Do you have a team in mind as to who you might take? I have a... Okay. We might possibly... might be a little cheat here, but... I'm only thinking of Pep Guardiola here, a manager that likes to use inverted wingbacks. And I'm just thinking of his tactical system. So we could build something similar at Manchester City. So the test doesn't go horribly wrong. <laughs> and we can kind of work out the average rating. So we're going to, at the end, we're going to see the player's average rating, how much he contributed to the attack as well. So look at things like key passes and the assist. And we're just going to see if that player did really, really well or not in his new role. See, I like the way that you've looked at this properly because my gut reaction <laughs> went, Crystal Palace, let's do that. <laughs> we don't want to get sacked in December for playing Ludovic Vlas as a fullback. <laughs> well, that's what I'm going to do. So tune in next week to see how I fare at Crystal Palace. Tune in next week to see how Aaron gets on at Manchester City. Spoiler alert, I may have a backup uh, and try Chelsea and try Zakaria. <laughs> see if that works. But we will be back with uh, the results of Search for a Star next week. But more importantly, if you want us to search for a star, please get in touch. Of course, we need some information from you. We need what position you need filling. We need your budget. We need the league you're playing in. And we need the year that you're playing in. Please do not tell us you are playing in 2052 <laughs> because <laughs> it's not going to work. It's not going to work. It has to be within the first sort of five years or whatever of the game so that we can try and help you out and we can get you a star. So make sure you tweet at Tony Jameson or myself at RDF Tactics. It's time for the letters, and to help us do that, it's Producer Steve. Hello, Producer Steve. Hey, guys. Are you well? I'm all right, I'm all right. So I'm starting to feel the uh, change in temperature. I don't know you guys too. It was a chilly one this morning. But yeah, mm. otherwise can't really complain. I, you know what? I'll, I'll go with the I'll go with the change of temperature. Um, for the people who who watching on a uh, on on YouTube and and for the people who listen, I'm I'm wearing a hoodie, so it's definitely a change of temperature. <laughs> Normally, I'm short sleeves all the way, but yeah, I've got my Christmas you know jumper mean? on as well. Slightly know. regretting it, but I'm trying to get into that spirit. It's November, Chris Aaron. What's it's doing? November? Uh, it's uh, November. November. Can I say I've got kids? Is that a good enough excuse? <laughs> I've got kids. Even I'm though it's me, even though it's me getting I've got kids. <laughs> Yeah, that's good, that's good. My my specific Christmas rule, and everyone can have their own, but for me, not going anywhere near it until December, the very, very earliest. Otherwise, then fill your boots. But before then, I'm fully happy to be sort of um grumpy old man with like, it's October, it's November, why are the supermarkets <laughs> got stuff in them? No! The Christmas trees might die if you buy one in October by the time Christmas comes around. For God's sake. Anyway... <laughs> Anyway, so we should in letters, shouldn't we? So we do have one. First up from Brad Wright, who writes, Hello, Tony, RDF, and producer Steve. Hello, Brad. I'm new to FM, and your podcast has been a lifesaver for me, which is why we're here, basically. So that's great to hear already. So he's gone back through the feed on previous episodes. He's learned the dark arts of spit, spit housery, just so we avoid those, those you know, those language filters, just spit housery, <laughs> uh, and the difference between an inside forward and an inverted winger. And he's learned those things through this podcast, which is great to hear. My question is, my manager, Francois Rabelais, has been winning at Saint-Étienne in Ligue 2, bouncing around in second or third or sort of top of the table. But in my press conferences, I've got the sneaking suspicion that the journalists would gladly poison me given the opportunity. And so I did a bit of uh, Googling and incidentally, Francois Rabelais, who's a namesake of Brad's avatar. So obviously most of us will use our own names in Football Manager, but some do use characters. I did 
we did on, in the previous iteration of the show many, many, many months ago speak about this with a certain Joe Devine from TIFO, who at some point named his character Dr. Richter, if that would call. <laughs> so that is an option available to you. But I suspect Brad may have been inspired by Francois Rabelais, the French Renaissance writer born around 1483 to 1495. They didn't really have birth certificates back then, so hard to tell. He was a physician, writer, a Renaissance humanist, monk, Greek scholar, and primarily known as a writer of satire, of the grotesque, of bawdy jokes, and of songs. So, I mean, if he's doing those in the press conferences, that might be where he's going <laughs> But anyway, Francois Rabelais' profile says media-friendly, but that sentiment is not returned uh, in kind by the journalists, according to Brad. His question is, what effect does the opinion of journalists have on his long-term future at the club so thanks again and congratulations on an excellent podcast thank you very much brad now we took this question to sports interactive for you brad and they said if a journalist dislikes the manager they're more likely to ask tricky or challenging questions and less likely to be placated by you refusing to comment it's unlikely to directly affect your long-term future with the club unless you're constantly bringing the club into disrepute maybe with those bawdy jokes that we spoke about earlier. But if you have a poor relationship with the press, it can affect your ability to get a new job and maybe raised in job interviews as a negative mark against you. So that hopefully Brad will answer that question for you well. How do you guys handle press conferences generally? I take part in them. And I know like some people just like click through it, but I do take part in it. At the minute, I've got a save where... I'm managing the in the third division of Northern Irish football, and there's me and one journalist. And he hates me. He hates me. Oh man! But but the interesting thing is that towards the back end of last season, he, I was starting to win him round, and I was like, "It'll be fine," you know. And like he's sort of like, "Oh, all right, fine." Looks like you're staying next season. Coming to season two, and he's gone back to I remember you from last year. And he's just he's got he's got the hump yeah, again. Yeah, this is where I don't think I'll be a great. Well, a great manager in real life, to be fair, because a loss really affects me. So what happens in football manager is if I'm winning, I'm usually media friendly. So the press and the journalists like me, the moment I'm losing and stuff, I'm literally just there clicking anything that can make anyone angry. And sometimes it gets them angry. And then, yeah, I just don't, we have an odd enough relationship. We have an odd enough relationship. If we're winning, I'm happy. Everyone's happy. And if I'm losing, nobody's happy. Nobody. What I've noticed this year is you can't just yeah. click the same answers either. Like in the last couple of years, you were just able to sort of just yeah, fire yeah. it through. Go, all right, second run, the, second run the left, second run the left, second run the left. <laughs> You're fine. But this year, they're just going, ah, I asked you that different question. You're like, yeah. oh, I never realised I wasn't listening. Sorry. And it yeah, turns sneaky. out that you've said something really sneaky, horrible about the club. Sneaky, S-I, sneaky. Now, not just journalists, not just journalists asking questions, of course. We are, uh, we do get asked various questions in our streams. One that came up recently for myself, rather fittingly at this time of year. Should you take an international job whilst still heavily involved in club management? And if so, how does it affect your save? Now, again, we wanted to get the official take on this. Sports Interactive have confirmed that taking on the reins with a national team while still working in club management certainly adds another dimension to a save. The main way it affects your career is that you've got to keep tabs on how players within your national pool are doing, so you ensure you pick the strongest squad for every major tournament and international break. If you're now managing a big nation, particularly one you're also managing in at club level, it's often easier than if you're taking over a nation where most of their top players play abroad. It is an area where we've not completely matched it up with real life, as I say, so you won't ever find yourself having to choose between a fixture clash if your matches fall on the same day, for example. That's handy to know, because <laughs> otherwise that's definitely your club going, you said this wasn't going to affect you day to day, and you're suddenly <laughs> you're jetting off all over the place. Like, what gives? Overall, our recommendation would be to give it a go. Nothing beats the buzz of taking your country to glory on the biggest stage. I mean, what do we think? I mean, I'll, I'll be honest... I'll maybe go first here, but I've only done international management once or twice. And maybe I'm not a fan of international management in, in international football in real life. So I don't sort of feel the need yeah. to be part of it. But I've never, I've never really, it's never really something I've, I've got a lot gone on for. But maybe it's because I just take small nations yeah. as well and be like, oh, here we go. And then I'm going, I don't really know many of the it's, players. I haven't it, got. Yeah, it's one of those things, isn't it? Because like, for me, I get so invested in my club which is one reason why I also find it hard just to do a journeyman save because once I'm at a club and things are going right I find it very difficult very difficult to leave but I do feel and I know a lot of you guys are out there the exact same way 
If I'm managing in England and then England come for me, I am picking a lot of my players for the international call-up. What, 15-year-old gets his first call-up? Thank you, RDF. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the nation of nepotism reigns supreme around here, doesn't it? (laughs) And the final question that we ask SI, is it better to use the same tactic in all three slots for tactical familiarity or to use the three slots of different match plans and tactics? And they replied, your players gain tactical familiarity with your approach through two things, playing matches while attempting to adhere to those instructions and taking part in appropriate training sessions. There's no real merit to having the exact same tactic in all three slots. That's not going to improve your tactical familiarity. That's important. If they're different though, even only slightly, there are benefits for you. For an example, having different setups that you can turn to in pre-season will help you build up familiarity. To ensure your players master all three styles, you might want to focus on three variations of the same tactic targeted at playing at home, away and closing out games in the final 10 to 15 minutes. If they're broadly similar with a few tweaks, your players should pick up the subtle differences fairly quickly through playing and training. So, guys, what do you do with your free tactical slots? Actually, at the moment, anyway, I only use two, oh. which may be the thing. So, as previously discussed on Tactics Garages, the first Tactics Garage that we did, I've got my inverted yeah. win-back 44 tactic. And so then what I do is then, if I if it's a team that I'm, I'm, I'm more worried about control midfield, I, I will switch to a 4-3-3. So, even within that, to be honest with you, those two tactics that I've got are, are very small indifference and fundamentally still playing with back four. Yeah. Although very recently I'm still doing a bit of FM22 as well as FM23. I can't quite let go of <laughs> Um But I sent you guys that screenshot a little while ago about getting an unbeaten season. Yeah. Which apparently 25% of players have done on FM22 anyway, which is I thought, more than I thought and did slightly diminish the achievement for me. But. Um, <laughs> That run obviously wasn't just a season, that run carried on for 57 league games. Wow. Until I lost to Bologna. And now the first thing I did was like, right, <laughs> get rid of this tactic, clear the work. <laughs> so I am actually now, as we speak, talking about that third tactical slot. And I'm thinking of like a sort of back three with like, they, they were playing basically what Bologna did to me. I want to take the dark energy of that and use it against other people. And it was like a sort of three at the back, two wing backs, and then kind of like a Brazilian box yeah. but with a target for man at the top. But no, for, for most of my FM playing time, I've only ever used two slash kind of one and a half. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. I'm sort of clearly dogmatic in that way in terms of what <laughs> I think I should play. I like the fact that you've completely ripped up a 56 game on basic where this tactic is nonsense. <laughs> it's lost one game. It's clearly not. the it's rubbish. My life's work is out of here. Like a tortured artist. It, it, I just, oh, I love it. I love it. And um, at the minute, I'll be honest, I used to be, I used to be very much like I have one or two yeah. tactics and that was me. This year, and, and in the most bizarre fashion because of how I'm playing in, in the lowest leagues possible, I do have three tactics, but it is all a variation. It's kind of what I've just said there. So I've got my, my. this is how we'll start off. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna have yeah, yeah. We've got sort of 4-4-1-1. Right four, four, yeah. If we're playing at home, that becomes a 4-5-1. I drop my, my advanced playmaker into midfield to pat the midfield out. Um, so we start fairly solid. If it looks like we're starting to control the game, I can push on. So I've moved the AM back up into an AP roll. I can potentially move the wingers up into a 4-2-3-1. Yeah. And if we want to lock the game out, then I just drag everyone back and it becomes a, a sort of all, like a, a four, 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 five, one, but like a really solid deep lying uh, forward. A deep lying forward comes in there as well. My AP becomes a central midfielder on support. And I'm really yeah. trying to lock it out. Those wingers become defensive wingers on support as well. So it is subtle tweaks. And I've never considered using them as three separate slots because I used to always change it on the fly. But I've figured now that, well, if they're all separate slots, then they should theoretically be learning that there is a point during the game, that we will change our mentality, yeah, we'll exactly. change our rules, and we'll change our setup. So we'll drop back into that. So that it's then not sort of confusing them going, What do you mean a defensive winger? What's a defensive <laughs> winger? Like, I don't, I, don't, yeah. I don't need that shouting on the touchline going, Gaffer, you need to explain this. Like, I don't know what it is. And then by that point, the ball's already got behind them and we conceded a goal. Interesting <laughs> enough, our conversation with Nick Madden as well. So if you guys missed that out, make sure you go back and check out that one, that episode where he spoke about smart AI. He spoke about smart AI and um, now I'm trying to be smarter. So <laughs> for example, there might be a tactic where I'm trying to, I'm trying to lie to them. I'm trying to second guess them. So I've got 
focus on the left-hand side, but that's not what I really want to do. I really want to focus on the right-hand side. So opening 15, 20 minutes, I'm focused on the left-hand side. Hopefully they kind of adapt to that and then boom, just switch it to the right-hand side. And hopefully now I become smarter than the AI, hopefully. So yeah, um, I have got different tactics in different slots, but they aren't, like as I said, they aren't different much. I mean, it might be one change. It might be a DM on support. And then the second one is a DM on defense. So yeah, it's not big changes and I don't think you should make big changes. I'm just wondering as well whether, maybe this is an additional question we have to go back to SI to ask, is that if you do only have two tactics and one of them is empty, does that then mean there's more training time dedicated to those two and therefore does your familiarity increase more quickly or not? It would make sense, wouldn't it? I mean, after you have like due to the conversation we've just had with regards to, to scouting and recruitment, like if you're getting players to do less things, then surely you, you would think logically that focus would be heavier on, on two. I mean, I know personally that if you give me three things to do, I'm better if you give me <laughs> one thing to do. So, like, you know, I'm, I'm presuming that's how it works. <laughs> <laughs> that's a very good question I'm actually thinking I'm, every time I have every time we have these episodes I'm like I'm going to open Football Manager straight after this try it out yeah, yeah. Good, yeah. good point well yeah. made let's have a little look at this thank you as always for those letters we genuinely do appreciate reading them and if you do want to keep sending them in we would love you to do so as well now at this point though whenever we try to raise the technical issues with the email there's just a long existential howl at the other end of the phone so for now, do keep those longer letters coming in to Ian McIntosh at imacintosh at theathletic.com. Of course, if you have short-form correspondence, please tweet us. I am at Tony Jameson and Aaron is at RDF Tactics, which is where you also send your tactics garages. Do, of course, remember to send a screenshot for your tactic if you need it tweaking. And more importantly, let us know what's wrong with it. That can be a tactic from FM23 you're trying out, or maybe you're still in an FM24. Um, FM24? <laughs> FM22. <laughs> this is the existential howl again, isn't it? <laughs> now, if you're struggling with FM29, then what you're really doing is... So send us that screenshot that we can have a look at. And more importantly, let us know what is wrong with it. Because if we don't know that... We will never be able to help. And, of course, do the same if you want us to search for a star. Now, before we go, I do have to mention that next week's show, producer Steve is not going to be with us. He's um, off doing terribly important things. Isn't that right, producer Steve? Yes, I'm sort of um, lending a hand over the World Cup period to the Totally Football shows. And as such, we'll be unavailable next week. But I know you're in safe hands. But I'll miss you and I'll be back the week after that. Even in this infancy of the podcast, producer Steve knows that we need an adult to supervise (laughs) us. So there will be one on hand to make sure that we don't have to run this ship on our own because, oh, that would be awful. That would be a mess. (laughs) He's going to be coming back too, Steve. So so thank you very much for organising that for us. And I hope you've enjoyed the episode. We will see you all next week. Toodles. Toodles. And that was the Football Manager Show from The Athletic. Your guest today was Cyrus Yagani from Sports Interactive. Your co-host was RDF Tactics. Your producer was producer Steve Hankey. And I am Tony Jameson. Take care, stay safe, and we'll see you soon. The Athletic.